Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today I thought we'd do some myth-busting. College students seem to be carefree well taken care of and with seemingly no responsibilities except to study subjects of their choice, have a wonderful social life and develop as human beings. Or in one study examining the mental health of college students shows that students attending a large public university in the U.S. were screened looking at symptoms of anxiety and depression and eating disorders, and even self-injury and suicide. And the results showed that over half of students suffered from at least one mental health problem. And this same study also showed that mental disorders are common and persistent in this population and that most of them do not receive treatment during the college years. Today you're going to get the chance to listen to an expert, Dr. Jacqueline Pistorello. Jackie is the editor of a new volume called Mindfulness and Acceptance for Counseling College Students, Theory and Practical Applications for Intervention, Prevention, and Outreach by New Harbinger. And this book illustrates how ACT and other mindfulness and acceptance-based approaches are being utilized with just this population college students. Jackie is a research and clinical faculty member at the Counseling Services at the University of Nevada at Reno, where she's worked with college students for almost 15 years. Jackie has been awarded multiple grants from the National Institute of Health to research the prevention and treatment of mental health problems among college students. You can read more about Jackie and her book and other things she's up to by clicking on her name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you, Joanne. It's a pleasure to be here today. Jackie, um, this this whole area of working with college students seems to be something that uh, most of us don't know much about. So what, what got you interested in working with college students and their mental health? Um, yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, when I was um, doing my postdoctoral uh, work, I, I started working a lot with women who were in their 40s or even 50s who would say to me, um, I wish I had heard about some of these issues earlier in life. And um, and, and I kept hearing that message and hearing that message. And then I, uh, when I finished it, I thought, I think I want to go work with college students. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was part of the, the impetus is trying to reach folks earlier so mm-hmm. that because sometimes uh, it's like a snowball. Mm-hmm. People make some 
poor choices early in their lives, and then things kind of just get go from there, and it becomes unmanageable. You know, Jackie, I thought myself as a college student that uh, actually it was a period in life that was very a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because definitely there are people who are in college who are having the time of their lives, you know, who fit that stereotype. But um, particularly these days, the the college years are, are fraught with a lot of anxieties and uncertainties, and it's a time of uh, incredible changes. And yeah. folks, uh, the, this period of 18 to 25 years of age, uh, more recently, folks are calling it the emerging adulthood mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And they are finding from research that it's a very unique developmental period and mm-hmm. that um, even things that happen in adolescence don't necessarily translate to these years. Mm-hmm. You know, Both uh, you and I, Jack, have something in common that we uh, left our countries and, and that's also a, during that time that a lot of people do go to school in some other country and don't don't go home again. So there are, there are huge decisions that influence the rest of your life that are made at this time. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I came to the U.S. when I was 19, so exactly during that time, during college. And uh, there is a recent book called The College of the Overwhelmed, um, mm-hmm. sort of talking about that, how particularly in the U.S., how college Students are pretty much overwhelmed with the types of transitions and choices that you make. For example, you know, usually in the U.S., college students reside in residence halls. Mm-hmm. So they go from having their own room and home, usually, to having to share very close quarters with people who are different from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe of different ethnicity or socioeconomic backgrounds. And um, it's it's a lot happening all at once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, that's probably partly why we are seeing such an increase in uh, mental health issues among college students. Yeah. And also looking for partners and being worried about uh, um, your, your studies. I mean, that, those are major, major things. I can understand feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. So what... What are, what are the most common uh, mental health problems among college students? Um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, a study showed that 50% of uh, college students actually are diagnosable with in one type of mental health disorder. It can be anything. Um, 31% report feeling so depressed that it's difficult to function. So mm-hmm. depression is a very common presentation. As is anxiety, like 50 to 60% say that they feel overwhelming anxiety. Mm-hmm. But we also go up on more significant problems like uh, 7% seriously consider suicide in the last 12 months. Wow. And Yeah. And 6 to 7% uh, have engaged in non-suicidal self-injury like cutting or burning mm-hmm. in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. And 1.2% have actually attempted suicide. In the last twelve months, wow. so uh, so you you know it's it's not just uh, anxiety about school or you know things that you would expect. It's it's actually pretty serious uh, problems. Also, so um, what what how does ACT approach this type of problems with with you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Well, one thing that I want to say is that if you look at what's happening with society in general, 
I think there is an incredible need for approaches like ACT and other mindfulness-based approaches, particularly with this age group. Because this, uh, if you think of the traditional age, 18 to 25 years old, they grew up on the internet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they're constantly texting with their phones and, and there's the social media, Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And this exposes them to this very fast-paced multitasking um, context and also a lot of comparisons like you know on Facebook you know kids uh, college students put in like if they break up they immediately change their status on Facebook or you know their exes get to see who they're with now mm-hmm. and it's uh, encourages a lot of evaluation uh, of self mm-hmm. and others so a lot of um, you know uh, what do you call judgments can mm-hmm. come up and uh, so mindfulness can really be helpful in terms of bringing people back to the present moment and also one thing at a time as opposed mm-hmm. to sort of trying to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. So ACT is very fitting for this population, also for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying, the number of uh, problems faced by college students is pretty large. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just one thing or another. It's anxiety, depression. I didn't even mention substance abuse and suicidality, self-injury. And what ACT has to offer is, one, uh, ACT has a pretty nice um, scope. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the type of treatment that is only uh, practiced in uh, inside a therapy room. It actually can uh, act uh, act as acceptance and commitment training. can be done across multiple uh, settings. I was actually just listening to one of your shows with DJ Moran about uh, acting the construction sites. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, you know, ACT can be utilized on college campuses, even outside of the therapy room. Mm -hmm. And that's very useful for administrators as well as mental health professionals. How how do you you think it outside of the therapy room? yeah, for example, right now, the, I, I can even talk about some of the ACT work we've been doing here at University of Nevada, Reno. Mm-hmm. We've been, um, how can I explain? Have you heard of a first-year experience courses? Do you guys have that in Sweden? No, no first-year experience? Yeah. Nope. In the U.S. has become a, a pretty widely dis- disseminated uh, approach to helping college freshmen adjust to the uh, to the college transition. Mm-hmm. And so these are typically one credit courses that they offer to freshmen that talk about like career choices, time management, things like that. And what we thought is, given the preponderance of mental health problems among college students and the fact that uh, a lot of them don't seek more traditional therapeutic services that we could try to actually reach to the general population and try to help folks even before things became a problem. So we proposed a grant and got from the National Institute of Mental Health to create uh, this first year experience course, but completely based on ACT. Mm -hmm. So we basically do an ACT workshop with, with college freshmen but spaced out across uh, eight weeks to two hours a week. And we did that 
with 732 students actually randomized half to act and half to a control condition that mm -hmm. was more typical. And in this class, we we basically teach the, the basic processes of ACT, you know, uh, mm -hmm. mindfulness and diffusion and values exploration and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, we haven't looked at the data yet, but we uh, found out that the satisfaction with the ACT class was just as high as it was with the more traditional class, mm -hmm. which actually is a, a very uh, useful bit of finding for us because... When we first proposed this study, folks were concerned that ACT would be too weird. You know, like doing eyes on with college students would they, who are not distraught. Because 75% of the students who ended up in the class were not uh, in a clinical range of distress. 25% mm -hmm. was, but 75% weren't. And so we wanted to see, can we prevent problems? So we wanted to reach people who are not necessarily already distressed. Mm -hmm. So uh, what we found is that it, it's highly acceptable. They like ACT and they, they, you know, it's just as acceptable as it is a more typical first year experience course. We did find something that I think will be um, of interest to the ACT community that the students were more clinically distressed tended to act, uh, to like act better than the control condition. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. for the non-distressed students, it was the opposite. They liked the psychodidactic control condition better than act. Uh -huh. so, uh, so it shows that act is very acceptable to all colleges, but particularly so for those who are distraught. Okay. So, uh, so it, it, I've never heard of that before, using that as a preventive uh, means. How do you... Um, how do you know if there's any, how it went for them if they weren't distraught from the beginning? How do you measure that? It, it's actually a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and prevention, uh, there are different types of prevention. In, they, they call it universal, which is when you try to reach the, the whole population. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did here pretty much. And then there is what they call targeted or indicated when you... Uh, try to reach populations that might be at risk or that show uh, early signs. Mm -hmm. With this approach, we really went for the universal prevention, which is much harder to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you actually do that? Do you have an example of, of um, mm -hmm. uh, how you would do that? Will someone yeah. say that's not distraught? Uh-huh. Yeah, the way we will be analyzing the data, we haven't done that yet, is that is basically – we know that there is a declining function in the first year of a college student. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been shown also in, in law school and medical school, mm -hmm. that actually people start out sort of better than the end of that first year, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know about psychology uh, graduate students yet. but And uh, so basically what we need to, to see is whether students who are in the ACT class show less of a deterioration over time mm -hmm. than some of the other students because we know that there will be a decline based on, on other data nationally. So, so it's kind of a funny thing. It's like it'll be less, there'll be less, to, uh, less worse. Than <laughs> oh, okay. Jackie, do you have an example? Like how would you work, for example, if you say you're working with, um, uh, would you just generally vaccinate these young people to, um, for example, to, feel unpleasant feelings and, and 
uh, look at thoughts as thoughts just in general? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the theory behind is that uh, could we go in and, and, and basically inoculate uh, mm-hmm. these students by virtue of some of this, the knowledge and the skills that go with ACT mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that later when life happens, and they will, that they would have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So some and, tools. And- yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we know, for example, that just the posture towards pain in life can can be a problematic, right? If if you sort of expect that you should always be happy and nothing should ever go wrong, or you know that would be reflective of who you are as a person, those things kind of are predictive of bad, you know, consequences later on. So the idea was, or is, that if we can go in and help students view things in a different way, when problems happen, like problems with roommates or relationship breakups and things like that, that they they would have some skills to fall back on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jackie, uh, do you have an example that um, for a specific college student that you you have worked with? Um, Yeah, that's... That's, there's so many of them. But there are some presentations that I think are particularly uh, fitting with, with, with the act with this population that you, you wouldn't necessarily see it at the same prevalence in other settings. For example, one of the chapters in, in my book is about act with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And perfectionism is a real problem on college campuses because there's something about the context that really pulls for it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, um, there is a lot of focus on performance and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, ACT has a lot to, and perfectionism is kind of a funny thing. For example, I can tell you this, that um, I can see a student who comes in and is a straight A student, works constantly, uh, is coming in because he or she is not feeling very uh good about their life, about his or her life, and is, feels isolated from, from peers and um, doesn't have a romantic relationship. So that's one situation. And then I can have another of somebody coming in who's almost on the verge of flunking out, is unable to complete assignments, is uh, very disorganized seemingly, and both of these students might be struggling with perfectionism, and you wouldn't be able to to tell that. And usually, people think, "Oh, it's only the the students who are the straight A students," but it can actually go in either of those directions. And ACT is particularly suitable because it's kind of a an approach based on function. So you you can actually go in and figure out what's going on with these people because mm-hmm. perfectionism can hit people in different ways. Like a student may just work really hard to try to kind of uh, keep at bay some of the thoughts of, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to fail or feelings of uh, being afraid of being disapproved of. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, other ones may sort of go the other direction and they just decide, you know, wait until the very last minute to do anything um, because of fear that they're not going to do it well enough or that they might fail at it. So it's a similar presentation, but very different uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's certainly it sounds like something I see a lot at the, the students here, also with procrastination. This, 
probably a part of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think procrastination and perfectionism go hand in hand. Oh. And um, it's hard to, to know which is which, you know. Yeah. How, how do you actually work with perfectionism? Do you have an example of how what it might look like for us, for how, how your work would look like? Yeah. Actually, the, the chapter that was written in my book was by Jesse Crosby and Mike Tuig mm-hmm. and uh, colleagues. One of the things that they talk about and that I've used with my own clients, too, is that um, perfectionism sometimes is called the tyranny of sh- shoulds. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of a lot of this, the content of cognitions and stuff have to do with should. I should be this way. I should do that. So um, really getting act into uh, the treatment to address the diffusion from sort of the, the stickiness of the should. Because these are, are students who have a long history of responding to shoulds. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, um, so bringing act in and sort of uh, looking at like what does what do shoulds look like in, on their um, pa- as passengers on their buses, mm-hmm. and uh, ways to try to diffuse from from that is is one way that we can look at it. I think values is very very important mm-hmm. because the, you know particularly the students who are perfectionistic who are doing well in school there is a lot of support from the environment for it and you know people may not see it how it may not be in their best interest and even sometimes when they're coming in actively suicidal they don't immediately see the connection mm-hmm. between uh, perfectionism and their suicidality mm-hmm. so uh, sort of inviting them to look at like what is it that really matters to them what is it that brings vitality to their lives and uh, so forth the act values component can be really useful. That's uh, it. Sounds like wonderful and important work that you're doing, Jackie. Yeah, there is a lot of act being used on college campuses. I just mentioned, uh, you know, the the act class. But you know, another thing that we are doing right now, which I, I'm really excited about, and it's 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 also discussed in a chapter in, in, in my book, but. Um, is using act-based peer mentoring, where you train uh, key students on campus, mm-hmm. like opinion leaders, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. help them help other students who are in distress. Mm-hmm. Because uh, 80% of the students who actually eventually kill themselves on college campuses have never set foot on a college campus um, counseling center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are various theories about that, like stigma and so forth. But they are more likely to seek help from peers. Mm-hmm. So there are there is a variety of peer mentoring programs, but this one in particular um, it, 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 it uses ACT as the basis, with this idea that you teach the students that we're all in the same boat and that suffering is universal. And it's only a six-hour training mm-hmm. six it's six weeks one hour a week but uh i just ran the the first two groups here at you know uh at unr and i am just shocked at how much the students love it and and you know they wanted more and more they wanted more hours and so forth mm-hmm. and uh other, uh other campuses who've implemented this it started out at worcester polytechnic institute mm-hmm um, also experience the same thing. It's a very subtle act mal- a message, mm-hmm. but it has a powerful impact. 
And now, would this be on a volunteer basis, these uh, yeah. mentors' work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very uh, a good question. We actually work on nominations. So the students have to be nominated by a faculty member mm -hmm. to be uh, participating in the trainings. And um, they do it on a volunteer basis. In fact, it's part of the, the approach that not to reimburse them or offer extra credit, nothing, because the idea is to rely on, on the wish to be helpful. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually the model is that if you train enough people, you create a critical mass mm -hmm. of students who then might change the culture on campus to go from like it's um, – it's uh, shameful to be struggling um, with a mental health disorder to feeling like, oh, we're all in the same boat. Uh, you know, suffering is universal and also the act uh, messages of diffusion and so forth and mindfulness. Well, Jackie, it sounds like so many organizations could, could work on that model in the military or in other corporations or uh, the school system in general. It seems, it seems like that's a... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Completely new for me that that using act as a sort of in in a mentorship. Yeah, I do like the idea of changing the culture, and yeah. it's something that we haven't. We, it's the theory behind it, but we haven't tested it. But we want to do a an actual study here, where we want to look and see at in residence halls. Mm -hmm. We want to mm -hmm. randomize so that some residence halls, uh, are, the the resident assistants are exposed to this ACT training and and the others are not. And then we want to see what the effect is on the residents of those residence halls. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine there are many. Um, uh, my daughter is a medical student, and for female physicians, that's a, a, a group that seemed to be quite high risk for suicide and also drug dependency. I was wondering, thinking just that that would be something excellent for training maybe mentors in that type of risk groups that uh, to help other colleagues. Mm. Jackie, we're coming to we've come to the end of the program already. And what ad advice could you give college students right now that might be struggling or maybe parents to college students? Um, well for college students I think the the thing that I, I, I feel the most is when they're struggling, but they feel like they shouldn't be struggling because it, it's supposed to be such a happy, happy period of their lives. So if um, you are struggling, you're a college student, just know that you're not alone, even if it seems like you, you might be. There are other people uh, right around you who feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And if you have uh, the option, you can go and talk to somebody at the counseling center. It doesn't have to be only when you're at that store that you go there. Now, to parents, I have a lot to say. I mean, we have incredible data more recently about how important you are to your young adult child. Um, I know, at least in the U.S., we have a feeling uh, that it's like we raise them until they're 18, then we just uh, say goodbye and that's it. But it's not the case. They've done a lot of research studies recently mm -hmm. that show that the Relationship with parents is actually the best predictor for adjustment in college. Mm -hmm. um, Cornell did a study where they looked at the students who went from engaging in non-suicidal self-injury to becoming um, suicidal. And they found that if they had a good relationship with a parent, that was less likely to happen, that progression. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas if they had a negative relationship with a, a parent, it, it was a risk factor for that to happen. <laughs> so a relationship with parents are key in this period. <laughs> wow, that's, a, that's an important message, Jackie. Thank you so much, Jackie, for being on our program today. Oh, it was my pleasure. You've been listening to Dr. Jacqueline Pistorello. Jackie is the editor of a new volume called Mindfulness and Acceptance for Counseling College Students, Theory and Practical Applications for Intervention, Prevention, and Outreach. Uh, This book illustrates how ACT and other mindfulness acceptance-based approaches are being utilized today with college students. Jackie is also a research and clinical faculty member at the Counseling Services at the University of Nevada at Reno, where she's worked with college students for nearly 15 years. Jackie has been awarded multiple grants from the National Institute of Health to research the prevention and treatment of mental health problems among college students. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.